Thanks for listening to The Vine. We're a new church in Austin, Texas with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this sermon helps you in doing that. Our first scripture reading this morning is from Genesis chapter 1, verses 11 through 13. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. Our second reading is from Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more. They will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of the Lord. We are in a a series that we're calling Beginnings where we're looking at the, the seven days of creation and wondering if there might be a template for our life of how we could experience new beginnings as well. And uh, for just let you guys know that Jen and I take this very seriously, this idea of beginnings, starting over. Uh, so seriously, we decided to get pregnant. And um, yeah, that's serious. I heard the, I love the first response is, whoa. Not like, yay, it's like, oh. They take sermon illustrations seriously. <laughs> We just, man, we're serious about this, guys. We just want this to be a marker for our life, you know, nine months from now. We go, oh, yeah, I remember that awesome series we did, right? (laughs) Uh, So uh, just to catch us all up, because I'm sure everyone who's been here, you guys remember everything we talked about. uh, But for everyone who might, this might be your first time, welcome. 
Uh, so we've been talking about day one, what happened in day one that God brought about light. God spoke light into being. And for us in our life, our beginnings begin by God breaking into the darkness in our, in our life. Nothing that we've uh, accomplished, nothing that we've done or acquired, it's by the grace of God that God enters into our darkness. On day two, we, last week we talked about that after this beginning happens, then actually some hard work has to go on within our hearts and our minds, that there's separation. In creation, God on the second day separated the land from the seas and the sky. And within our own life to experience beginnings, we have to go through a time of sifting. For us, it, this creates room for God to do this new work that happens in our hearts and our minds. In day three, we see that God brings about seeds. You should have gotten seeds when you guys came in. Does everyone have some? Does anyone not have any? Okay, okay, Brendan, here you go. There's that. Anyone else? Okay. Okay, just to let you all know, this is going one way. Please don't throw it back. Uh, sermon goes a little long, and I start having to... Okay, there we go. Okay, wow, in the back. Awesome, please don't eat it. Oh, another one, sorry. Okay, that was fun for me. Not for anyone else, but for me. Uh, if you fall asleep, I, I might uh, give you another seed. Uh, if you guys look back at Genesis on this third day, if we can look at Genesis 1. Uh, what I want you to look at is God's, the beauty of God's creation just the poetic beauty of what God was doing in this world. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation. Not only plants, not only vegetation, not only trees, but seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. So God created diversity, and also God created seeds within this vegetation. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. God called it good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. The emphasis on seeds strikes me as really interesting. Why point it out over and over and over again? Perhaps what God is trying to, to instruct us is that the way God created and intended uh, this world to, to be and, and the way this world should exist is not only that God would create it, but that there's life that exists even within life. That there's like this beautiful, endless cycle of life as God created it, embedded within creation. So life brings forth more life. Creativity brings forth more creativity. This is the miracle of seeds. So if you can, hold in your hand the pecan, if you can. And I just want you to think about this little miracle that you're holding. A small pecan has all of the DNA, all of the little makeup that it needs for its entire life right here. It has everything it needs. It has, so I want you to imagine that you're holding a towering pecan tree all right here. Just the beauty of its branches, the ability to adapt in each season, and the ability to make more of these pecans all within this little shell. It all exists right here. But the seed has to be handled appropriately. Its potential will never be released if it just stays on your dashboard, right? It has to be handled appropriately. It has to be planted and cared for. It has to be in the right soil. It has to be released. And if that happens, you will see the incredible potential 
that exists in this little seed. So what if, what if God has put in you seeds of beginnings? What if God has in your life given you these potent little seeds that bring forth more life? And these seeds uh, are embedded with you. These seeds are the dreams that you have, the dreams that God has given you. These are the abilities and the passions that might not ever see the light of day if it's not handled appropriately. But God puts within each of us these seeds, these dreams, these callings, and God looks at you and says, that is good. It's good that there's life within you. So the big question of this morning is, what are the seeds within you? What are these seeds that God has embedded within you, and what are you doing to nurture it? That's the big question of our morning. These uh, seeds might be as small as like a dream that for your family, like we just, we want to be a family. I've always wanted to be a family that actually, we actually pray together. We've never really done that. I know we've always wanted to do this, but we've never really done that. That could be something that God has implanted in, in you. Maybe the seed is a dream of, of looking at your aging father who has a picture of the Grand Tetons in his study and thinking to yourself, I want to take him to see this in real life. This dream of wanting to take uh, your aging father to go see this and have an adventure together. It could be seeds like this. It could be uh, even something like uh, having a seed of desire to pick up painting like you did in your childhood. And this is something that's just kind of in the back of your heart and your mind, and you've just not really known what to do with it. But the seeds also could be bigger. The seed could be the reality that you know the only reason why you're still working this job is because it provides the finances for all of your wants. But meanwhile, your soul is just shriveling up and dying. Maybe the seed that God has put in your heart and your mind is the fact that God has given you a heart for the fatherless and the motherless. The fact that there are children out there who have no one to turn to. And adoption is a seed that God has put again and again in your heart and your mind. And what do you do with this? So for us, we have these seeds within us of great potential. But they have to be handled appropriately. Jesus told a beautiful story, a parable that gives us insight into the subject. But also gives us insight at what is at stake. As we heard, and we've already heard this story in Matthew 25 of these three servants and the bags of gold, the treasure they were given. Parables are meant to tell us a lesson, a lesson. They're not meant to be a perfect connection, like this master is not God. Uh, but this parable is meant to tell us a lesson that, and for this case, Jesus wants to teach us something. So what is this parable trying to teach us? This parable is about stewardship. And I know for many of us, stewardship is an idea that we only hear about in church, so half of our brain shuts down immediately when we hear it. And we also think it has to do with the church wanting more of my money, so then the rest of our brain shuts down, right? But stewardship has, is a lot more expansive. If that's your definition of stewardship, it's too thin. It's way too thin. Stewardship is our ability to respond to that which we've been entrusted with. And yes, that includes our finances, but it includes so much more. God has given us treasure. And for us, it's our job to figure out, what do we do with this? And if you look at this story, what you will see, and the ending is so harsh, right? 
Like it's a hard story just to let sit there. And for me, this makes me think that stewardship is really, really important to Jesus. It's really, really important to the kingdom that God was trying to set. So we know the story about three servants were given three different types of treasure in different amounts. And uh, the two servants went and they invested it and they received double. And then one servant went and hid it, buried it. And the master returns and there's this uh, dramatic encounter with this, this master at the end and it gives us insight into stewardship. So before we jump into that, let's just get into the psyche of the one servant who buried it. Why, why would he do that? What would drive someone to see a treasure entrusted to him and bury it and hide it? Well, we see it in verses 24 and 25. We see that he knew the master would be someone who would want to, to reap a harvest where he is not sown, seeds that he did not scatter, seeds that he was entrusted to other people. He expected to harvest it. But also, what, what was the other impetus for him hiding it? Verse 25, the first four words. So I was afraid. Why did he hide it? Because he was afraid. Fear. Fear is a powerful thing for us in our life. It can make us do all sorts of things. Interesting thing in the day and age we live in is that we can actually see what happens in the brain when we experience emotions. So there's brain mapping and imaging when people experience emotions and, and they actually can see what's going on inside of here. And the interesting thing is what they find is when someone is afraid, there is a specific part of the brain that gets really activated. This is like, it's called the amygdala, if you want to sound important like I guess I did right then. But another name for it is the lizard brain. It makes you sound less important. But the lizard brain is like the most elementary part of your brain, the most elementary part of your thinking skills. And... Uh, what it has a tendency to do, the amygdala really concentrates on fear, anger, and self-protection. And isn't it interesting that those three things usually go hand in hand? Fear, anger, and self-preservation. And so when someone experiences fear, all of their activity goes back there, and that becomes their focus. And the tricky thing is, what they find now, is there are some people who have a tendency just to live from that place. They have a tendency to really exist from that lizard brain that focuses completely on fear, anger, and self-protection. What they find is that it actually is like Velcro. Fear for these people, they're like Velcro. It's really hard to set free from that. And where this gets really, really traumatic is the fact that when people live from that part of their brain, what they're not able to do, they're not able to dream. They're not, they're not able to have a curiosity of what could happen. A, a hopeful imagination is non-existent. And we might wonder if this is where the servant's coming from. If he's living in a place of fear. Fear of what? Fear of losing that's what, he, what he's been trusted with. Fear of, of not having anything to show for it. That this is how he's driven. He's driven out of fear. And so he goes, in my mind, I like to paint this picture, he sets his iPhone to go off at 2 in the morning. He goes out in the dark where no one else can see him, silently digs a hole, puts his treasure in there, covers it up, and mentally remembers, all right, this is where my treasure will be. When the master returns, I'll just dig it back up. 
So this treasure that he had never saw the light of day, but he thought he at least wouldn't lose it. And what this parable teaches us is in God's kingdom, if you hide that which you've been entrusted, you will always lose it. If you hide what you've been entrusted, the dreams, the passions, the gifts, the resources, in God's kingdom, people who hide it will always lose it. That's the sharpness of this warning. It always comes true. If you live in fear, it will probably come true. We know this. That fear has this ability of like just being the case. If, if you grip on the fear, it has a tendency just to, just to happen. Who are the most dangerous drivers out there? The people who are most afraid. Every car coming at them, they're swerving, they're braking. It's a really, really dangerous way to live and drive, right? There's the people who are afraid, like a, a, a guy, he's a boyfriend, he's afraid of losing his girlfriend, so what does he do? He gets a little bit white-knuckled, tries a little too hard, reads too much into it, and it ends up pushing her away. Uh, for us and our family, we experienced this. Uh, Jen, I'm going to throw you under the bus a little bit. Uh, Jen being pregnant, I can now say it, which is so fun. Jen being pregnant. I, I love building a fire in our fireplace. We have an actual, like, wood-burning fire, and so we had all these ashes in there, and Jen was getting a little bit, like, a little bit worried about what if we are, like, are inhaling, like, cancerous air particles. It was very ashy. <laughs> very ashy, she would say. Thank you. I, I left out that one piece, yeah. It was very, guys, it was super ashy. And so she started getting a little bit worried about, like, all right, our son Jack, you know, was like eight months old at that time. I'm pregnant as well. That's going to be fun. And uh, so she had this idea of, like, all right, I'm going to get all these ashes out of here. And so uh, being the really efficient person she is, she got the shop vac out, put our son behind her, and started just sucking out every ash, right? What she didn't realize is a couple weeks before that I used it as, like, a wet vac, so I took off the filter, you know? So Jen was there. She sucked up. All of the ashes out of fear, right? All of the ashes, everyone, and turned around, and our house was just like a cloud, and our son was just, you know, seriously, mom? You know? His first words, seriously, mom? It's funny, like, it's, just, it's a fact of life. Like, a lot of times, what we fear has a tendency to come true. And for this servant, what comes true in his life? He was afraid of losing this treasure he was given. And it came true. It was taken from him. Right? So we can live clinging on to fear. Or we could be like the other servants. And they invested it. And the important thing to know is anytime you make an investment, you're choosing risk. You're choosing risk. You can look back in, in you know, 2008, just to rem- just remind you. Investment includes risks. But as we see in this parable, that God loves the risk taker. God loves all of us, but there's something about the fact that when God sees us choosing the way of courage, choosing the way of faith, that God's delight just blossoms. What we see in this parable is that perhaps the best parts of life are reserved for people who are willing to go out on a limb. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 16, 24. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Jesus is saying, in my kingdom, this is how it's going to work. If you want to discover life, start giving away. 
Start giving yourself away. Start taking risks. Follow me. It's not that we're called to be like foolish about this, but we're called to live with courage. We're called to live with a stance of, of saying yes to what God is doing in our life. And the seeds we have been given, they contain potential for life if we are willing to release them. And many of us, we stop short of giving away the seeds that God has entrusted us. Within these little seeds, they have the capacity to change our homes, our lives, could change the world. And the lie that we have a tendency to believe is, no, this is just silly. This little insignificant thing can't really do anything. It really can't change much. The reality is that God does not give us dreams for us to hide them. He gives us dreams for us to live them out. And if we are people who live out our dreams, if you remember at the end of the story, what happens? He takes the treasure from the one servant who buried it and gives it to those who risk the most. That's not fair, God. That's not, that's not fair. You're supposed to spread it out evenly. Well, in God's kingdom, why wouldn't God give the more dreams for people who are living more courageously? Why? Because they're actually doing something with it. They're actually living it out. So of course God would want to have his kingdom building resources go to people who are willing to take risks. So this parable gives us a stern warning. We can, either, we can live in either ways of these different servants. Those are the risk takers and those who play it safe. This parable, it ends by giving us such stern warning. When I ask people uh, in the last uh, 10 years of, of being a pastor, when I've asked people, what do you hope to hear from God at the end of your life? It's a great question, right? What do you hope to hear from, from God at the end of your life? What is the most common answer, do you think? Well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. We have this longing to hear that praise and that delight. Well done. That statement is embedded within the story. That's the word that the master gives the servant after they've taken the risk. They lived out with courage. The master looked at them and said, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. If you have a longing to hear that from the God, Start looking at the seeds that God has given you and be filled with courage and live it out. God's delight in happiness as we see in this verse 23. One of the things that happens is come and share in your master's happiness. We want to experience God's happiness. And if we take this parable seriously, one of the greatest ways we get to experience God's happiness is if we start living out these seeds, that we take seriously that which we've been in given, and seek to find ways to live this out in our lives. But notice what the master says to the other servant. This was so harsh, right? His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest what I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the banker, so I would have returned and I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. Forever who has for whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever doesn't have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. What a strict warning. I loved how Eugene Peterson translated this passage, just to kind of knock us off center. 
The master was furious. That's a terrible way to live. It is criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best, why did you do less than the least? The least you could have done would have been to invest the sum with the bankers, where at least I would have gotten a little interest. Take the thousand and give it to the one who risked the what? Risked the most. And get rid of this play it safe who won't go out on a limb. Throw him out into utter darkness. We might have a hard time with hearing how stern this is, but what if Jesus was trying to paint colorful uh, depictions as a warning? Don't choose the safe route. Don't play it safe. Where does this servant end this story? Out in utter darkness. If you guys were here two weeks ago, what was in existence before God spoke light into existence? What did God first create? God broke into the darkness with light. Almost to say, I wonder if this servant, God might have said, okay, it's time for you to start back over. It's time for you to go back to step one because you haven't learned to trust me. You haven't learned to trust me. And so I'm going to graciously teach you this all over again. We might hear this and go, really? Really, is this the way it is? Bonnie Ware, is a, uh, she writes a blog. She, she, she spent her career as a nurse caring for people who are on the last leg of their life. And he, in, she ended up writing a blog about her experiences. And she called them the five uh, lessons of the dying. The five regrets of the dying, pardon me. And they might be the regrets that you might expect. I wish that I would have worked less. I wish I would have been a better friend. The most common regret, I wish I would, um, I wish I would have had the courage to live true to myself. The most common regret she heard is, I wish I had the courage to live true to myself. And might that be true to myself is acknowledging that which God has given me. What she's saying is most people did not honor the dreams that God gave them, that they buried them, they hid them. In my decade of, of being a pastor, I've had the privilege of being alongside people at the end of their life, and I've never heard someone say, I wish I would have played it safer. It's quite the opposite. Many people, they feel and they sense that the sun is setting on their time, and they have more left in the tank. They have more dreams left in the tank. They have more passions left in the tank. And they never actually gave them away. So if you could take out that pecan once again and put it in your hand. And I want you to feel the almost insignificant weight of it. I want you to feel uh, the hardness of the shell, but also how this shell is vulnerable. This gigantic tree is incredibly vulnerable. And in this little shell holds the potential of great life. This is what God is giving you today. What is a dream that God's given you? I want this little pecan to haunt you this week, to remind you, what is the dream, what is the passion that hasn't seen the light of day that I might actually live out? This room is full of people who actually did that. This room is full of people who actually took small insignificant seeds and started living them out. This room is full of people who had a heart for adoption and brought in two beautiful daughters from China, welcomed them to home, 
It started with just a seed, people, just a longing. There are people in this room who've looked at the youth that are coming around this church and said, there needs to be someone who's investing in their life. Can, would you mind if I just start a small group for middle school girls? It just starts with a small seed, noticing something. These people are not exceptional. They're not special. But what sets them apart is they actually did something with this. They're just like you and me. They're just like you and me in the fact that they've received these seeds. These seeds. But what sets them apart is they actually courageously live them out. And so for you, what is the thing that God has given you? What is the thing that God has entrusted with you? My encouragement for you is to go out on a limb, don't play it safe, and discover that the sweetest parts of life are waiting for people who are willing to go out on a limb, willing to live with courage. That's where the fruit is. That's where the goodness of life waits.